Hey, welcome everybody to a new, freshly minted uh, podcast episode of Don the Infinite Wealth Strategist. This is also going to be on my other other uh, channel, Don the Short Sale Guy. Wow, I've got a great, we got a great uh, interview here, Derek Vickers, and he is the man to talk about investing in, in trailer mobile home parks. And this is something that's definitely not in my wheelhouse because I'm a short sale guy and we shy away from that type of investing in my niche. But so I definitely want to get, I'm like you guys, I'm going to, I want to learn more about this. So Derek, welcome. And uh, thanks for coming on and uh, just tell us a little about yourself and uh, we'll get started. Yeah, so thanks for uh, having me on. On definitely uh, honored to be on the show today, and hopefully, I can share some uh, value here and let people learn a little bit more about uh, mobile home uh, park investing, mm -hmm. um, which is a fun business in itself. So we could talk and talk and talk about this uh, forever. But um, where I came from and how I got started in this business, I actually grew up. Um, I think you mentioned this before we got, I actually grew up around mobile home parks and where yeah. I am from a small town in, in Virginia. So they mm -hmm. were around. Mm -hmm. um, so I was familiar with them. But um, I moved down here to Florida. I moved to Florida with, you know, about $300 in my pocket and uh, just figured out how to make it work. I got into the insurance business and uh -huh. struggled through that for, you know, a couple years. I ended up being in that business for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was cold calling businesses door to door, you know, probably the most, uh, humbling experience I've ever had in right. my entire life. And I think in my first year in the insurance business, I made like $18,000. Mm. And so I had every reason in, in the book to, uh, quit and mm -hmm. you know, I started to do well in that. But as I was going up in the insurance business, I was like, okay, this sales career can be very lucrative. But at some point, my earning capacity can only go so far. Mm -hmm. And when I start to earn more income, I'm like, okay, so how do these really wealthy guys, you know, build so much wealth? Well, they don't make money. Like somebody that's worth $50 million or $100 million, they don't make they don't get a paycheck. They don't get a 1099 for $100 million a year. Right. So when, when I learned that and learned that these wealthy individuals invest in assets, the cash flow, and that's how they grow that wealth, um, I started to like, oh, okay, so that's how you do that. Because in the beginning, I just was like, okay, how can I make as much money as, as possible? Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't know anything about uh, real estate investing or anything, but so then I learned about multifamily investing from mm -hmm. uh, listening to something that Grant Cardone put out. Who's that guy? I never heard of him before. Oh, yeah. It's a joke. You know? <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so um, I, I started listening to his real estate show and I was probably five or six years into the insurance business at this time. And I'm like, wow, this really makes sense. Appreciation, cash flow, mm -hmm. you know, it's a store of value. Your, your money's not getting killed by inflation. This is like a win-win and it's very simple. Right. So I started um, looking at apartment deals because that's what he talked about. And so just around, I started underwriting them, you know, back of the napkin math kind of thing. And uh, so that's how I really learned about real estate investing and then just kind of did that for the next four years because I was really, you know, I was making good money in the insurance business, but I was spending it all like investing back into the business to make more. 
And then when I became like, a, you know, a regional manager, I ended up having a hundred, about a hundred salespeople under me. Uh -huh. So I, I did well in the insurance business. Mm -hmm. And then uh, March of 2020 happened. We know it happened in March of 2020. Yep. And we were selling insurance to businesses. So yep. businesses were closed. Everyone's scared. Everyone's freaking out. Yeah. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm still susceptible to things happening in the economy. So I was like my wake up call where I'm like, okay, I got to get this real estate thing going now. And so I started looking at multifamily deals and I'm like, okay, I don't want to buy a duplex or a quadplex. I want them to get a little bit more scale. So I'm like, I couldn't do that because what's, you know, some multifamily deals, a hundred units are, you know, 250, 250 grand a door. So yeah. I was like, that, that's a larger barrier to entry. Right. So I had a buddy who owned mobile home parks in North Carolina and he told me about it. Um, that's a, another story. Him and I used to like cold call together. He was called cold calling mobile home park owners and I was cold calling insurance um, businesses. Right. But anyways, he um, I started just to, to study the asset and I fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, many different reasons why. And then I just started looking for parks. Like I found a list online Yeah. and I'm like, okay, in the insurance business, I just started cold calling businesses. Right. I'll start cold calling these owners of mobile home parks. And then I found, you know, deals and things. And that's how I got into the business. And, um, you know, it's another story how I landed the the first deal, but um, that's generally how I got into the business of uh, mobile home parks. Well, I had a couple of questions that came up. First of all, why Florida? Well, I live in Florida. No, I know, but I mean, you said you moved. You, you made a decision to move to Florida. I'm just curious, what 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 was that move? Everybody has a story that comes to Florida. I'm one of them, but. You know. Yeah. So um, I had went to college in South Carolina, Yeah. Um, ended up not finishing school, uh, moved back to Virginia, was hanging out with the wrong people, not going down the right path, you know, mm -hmm. doing things I shouldn't have been doing, which is, you know, that's another podcast we can talk about <laughs> digging yourself out. Um, I know all about that. And so I had a friend from college that was like, hey, I'm living in Orlando. Mm -hmm. I've got a little condo. You don't have to pay me rent for a month or two until you find a job. Right. And so two weeks later, I was like, I'm going to Florida. My parents didn't believe me that I was going. My wife, um, my now wife, she was my right. girlfriend at the time. I was like, hey, I got to get out of here because if I'm going to make something of myself, I got to leave right. the small town where we are. So Right. Well, okay, great. I had a similar story. I mean, I was older, but it was a situation where, where I was at. At the time I was in Russia, I'd spent most of the 1990s in Russia, Russian wife, Russian kids and so forth. But there was just no no work anymore for foreigners, expats. So mm -hmm. my sister happened to live in Flor in Orlando. So I said, well, might as well go there. At least I know somebody. And that's how I, my thing got started. But I just went a different route. I went and, you know, again, same thing. I mean, I wasn't in insurance, but I was a mortgage broker. And, okay. and I tried that and starved. And but it got me to short sales where I thrived. You know, so you just never know mm -hmm. right, about how these things happen. But I, I get where you, I, what your story resonate, resonated with me because very similar, right? A lot of us do that. And a lot of us here in Florida, that's how, why we come here, you know, and it turns out that but for real estate wise, it's been great. So I'm curious about your, your, when you transitioned to mobile home parks, 
Now you said that you started cold calling. Did you already have a script? Did you already have an idea of how to put structure a deal, or were you just were you just uh, you know flying by the seat of your pants? So I, I no, not really. I'd listened to some podcasts. I'd done right. a course, and I had cold called businesses. Right. So I, that was that was okay. I had gone through that. Um, I was callous, you know, I did that for eight years um, until I got into like the regional management position. So I just kind of in, in Don, I'll tell you, like, this was a game changer for me when I got in the mobile home park business, because I was calling people to give them money, not calling people to ask them to to pay me for something. So um, I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants and, you know, sort of figured it well, out. Tell me, tell me who you were looking for. What type of mobile home park owner were you looking to find? For me, it was easy. I wanted upside down homeowners. You know, they didn't have to be in foreclosure or not, but they had to owe more than what their house was worth. So I already knew what to do and I already had a script. I didn't know the negotiations uh, part of it with the bank when I started, but at least I knew how to acquire them. So Walk me through that. I mean, how did you, I mean, what was your script when you first reached out to them? Yeah. So at first it was just like, Hey, um, are you, do you want to sell? Like, do you want to sell your park? Hey, I'm in the area. I'm, you know, I'm looking to purchase mobile home parks. Do you want to sell? Um, because the ideal person that I would want to buy from was a mom and pop owner. They either developed the park They've mm-hmm. owned it for 20 or 30 years. They got no debt on the property. They've right. never ra- they've never raised rents. Um, they've never really done any CapEx work to bring up the parks. So there's a lot of value there. Right. Um, and so that was the ideal person uh, mm-hmm. that we wanted to buy from. And, you know, as I got more experience in the business, I could actually have better conversations with those people because, you know, this business is, look, it's still a niche. But like there's people that there's more people getting in the business. So these owners are getting calls a lot from brokers and and other people. So now you have to differentiate yourself um, a little bit more. Okay. So your first deal, walk me through that. That's fascinating. I was like, you know, I could, I could still tell you stories about my first deal and I got my, the check for my first deal and still in a frame on my, in my office. So that's always a, a huge moment a rite of passage as it were for any real estate investor so tell me about your first deal yeah so the first deal this is a is an interesting story because as i and you know picking up a little bit where i, I left off in the beginning so i started mm-hmm. looking for deals right. and my buddy um that owned parks in north carolina he introduced me to a guy that was in some deals with them but he lived in orlando mm-hmm. and so I met with him and we hit it off. We were cool. And so I started, he's had a lot more experience in the real estate business. So I started sending him deals be like, Hey, I found this one. This guy wants this, you know, what do you think? This is what I think about it. So he started like coaching me through some of these deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a deal that I was about to put under contract down in, I think it was Auburndale. Mm-hmm. And he was helping me kind of negotiate the seller financing on that. It ended up not going through, right. but, I think it was probably three weeks later and him and I had been talking for a couple of months now mm-hmm. and he calls me and he's like, Hey, I got a deal. It's closing in a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's 32 lots, 22 units, 10 vacant pads. My other partner backed out. Mm-hmm. Um, the operating partner partner backed out. Mm-hmm. Do you want in? And I'm like, okay, uh, I'll call you back. 
And so I told him I'd call him back tomorrow, called him back in like five minutes. I'm like, you know what? I got to go. I'm, I'm in. This is my chance to get in. Yeah. And so we closed on that deal a week later. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting in that deal and got equity in that deal for no money. I just, I really was getting in it to learn the business because I wanted to, to get in the business more. So I wanted to learn the operations. I wanted to learn how you have to talk to tenants. I wanted to get boots on the ground. Right. Do the things that, you know, no one else really wanted to do just to learn the business because I knew one day I would need those skills. Right. So um, I had a sweet deal. I ended up getting, I think it was 20% of the uh, entire 20, it ended up being like 20, 25% of the entire project. Mm -hmm. um, and we bought that property for 425 grand. Um, mm -hmm. About eight months later, it reappraised for 1.65 million, I believe it was, because we went in and this park was like, Don, I got to tell you. So, I this was about 15 minutes from my insurance office. Well, I've and, been to Auburndale many times. I can I can imagine what it was like when you got well, it. Well, no, this was this one that we closed was actually in Cocoa, Florida. Oh, Cocoa. Okay. Cocoa. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh my insurance office was probably 10 or 15 minutes from this park. Mm -hmm. And so I wore suit, I was a suit and tie everyday guy. Yeah. And like I would even wear, you know, a vest some days. But at four o'clock. I would change into some, you know, comfort clothes. I wouldn't go to the park in a suit. And right. I would literally for the first 60 days, I had to chase homeless people out of the vacant homes every single day. Right. And it was just, you know, the, the, the cocoa police, I talked to them and they were there, you know, all the time for various things. So this was like, I don't know if you know, who Frank and Dave are in the mobile home park business. I don't know. So they're like, they have a big course and things wow. and like they tell you what to do and what not to do. And this park like was everything that they told you not to do mm -hmm. was involved in this park. So it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting experience, but it was, uh, I learned a lot. So what was the, what were the, what was the, how much, and I'm assuming you you asked the uh, owners to carry, right? Carry a note or how did that, what was the structure like of your deal? Yeah. So this deal was a little bit different. So my business partner now, when he brought that deal to me, as I just mentioned, mm -hmm. he, yeah. the, him and another partner, they had already had the money. They were paying cash for it. It was four hundred thousand dollars okay, gotcha. right. There was no way you were going to get financing on this. Like it was a disaster. Well, I meant as far as you think the sellers were going to, we're going to give you seller financing at all. Or just yeah. Out, that was it. No, 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 no. Yeah. So we paid cash for, for this okay. deal. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So that was quite the, uh, I mean, that was quite the experience, but just a, you know, 25% of uh, over a million, that's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good for, for your first dive into it. So uh, what did you do as a stepping stone after that? Well, so um, at like, but so we did, we closed on that property. It was like the end of September, the beginning of October of 2020. Yep. And that refinance didn't occur until like July, I think wow. of 21. Mm -hmm. But after we closed that property and figured out that we could take these value add deals and fill up the vacant homes, mm -hmm. we could get people to fix up the houses. We could fix up the houses. We could, you know, um, put some of our CapEx dollars into these parks and bring them up and bring the value of them up fast. Right. And so in January, well, no, it was probably November. I found four other deals that were mm -hmm. like, okay, like, 
we can't pass up these deals. Like they're so good. Three of them were in Tampa and one of them was in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Great locations. And so we put those under contract. Okay. So we went from having the 20 and that was probably, I don't know, 150, 160 lots between those, um, those parks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we closed on those in February. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was still a hundred percent in the insurance business at this time, but we just kept finding good deals and we ended up closing. I have to count, but it was 18 or 20 mobile home parks in 2021. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, so in your business model, you're buying and holding, right? You're not, you're not reselling or are you? No, we're, we, I mean, you know, uh, we, we have this conversation all the time and it's just, you know, I, we're, we're not buy and hold right now is, is really what we're doing. Okay. Um, but, you know, we have a couple assets that are kind of out of the way that, you know, are a pain and we mm-hmm. may end up, you know, moving some of those, you know, mm-hmm. the conversation has came, came about, mm-hmm. but, but typically I think we want to buy and hold these things because uh-huh. after they stabilize, they, you know, they don't need a lot of work like that, that part right. that we bought the when we bought, like mm-hmm. you know, no, no one has to be there. Like, it's just. It, it just runs relatively smoothly. Right. So how's your structure set up? Are you, got, you have an LLC or what are you, what's your corporate structure like for, for each, uh, who, what entity owns the, the park, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Great question. So each park has a different LLC. LLC. Okay. Associated okay. with, with each park. Okay. Yeah. So then the tent, the, so how, what's the revenue stream? You've got the, uh, so I'm assuming you have owner occupied trailers, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. You pay a lot fee and that's it, right? Yep. Okay. All right. So then um, that money comes into your LLC. That that's, um, is that ordinary income for you guys tax wise, or is that uh, passive income? How does that work for you guys on your taxes? I'm just, I'm a tax guy. I'm just curious. Sorry about that. But that's, that's, that's really fascinates me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, not to get like super complicated with it. So if we, you know, we buy a deal, there's a, uh, you know, mobile home park, uh, GP, general partnership, LLC, and then an LP, LLC. And then the money flows through. And then basically the LPs uh, or LP investors get their preferred return first. And then the rest is split with the GP. Gotcha. And, and so we get distributions that are taxed as um, I don't know exactly how K-1? that works. K ones or get a K one, get a K one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, I'm just curious. Um, so when you uh, if you decide you're going to sell any of these parks for whatever reason, uh, what's your capital gains strategy? Take capital gains tax strategy. Um, well, you know, we really. I guess once it comes to that, if we do end up selling something, then that's a conversation that we have. But at this point, um, we haven't even had that conversation. A billion other things uh, happening with some of these turnaround parks that hadn't even been uh, hasn't even been discussed. Okay, so uh, were you surprised that so many good deals you're able to find in Florida? Um, Well, I didn't know any different, so I was like. You know, and and the thing about it was, so we found this little niche within a niche where we could buy, we could get these super, super value add parks that like in 2021, people would have been like, oh, you're paying way too much for that. 
but we found out that with these vacant units, we could actually sell them to someone for like 500 bucks and they would come in and fix it and then pay the market lot rent. Right. Because the market lot rent in mobile home parks is not what mom and pop think it is. Right. They ever they've never raised the rents for 30 years so that it hasn't kept up. Right. So by selling the vacant units, we would give them free lot rent for a few months. And then once the lot rent started, it would be at market. So we would be able to get these huge um, value jumps. Uh-huh. Um really quickly. And the other crazy part of that is that this was affordable housing. You know that there's affordable affordable housing crisis and shortage in America. Yes. And these mobile home parks, like, you know, so for just for those first, the second four deals that Mm -hmm. we bought, there was probably 60 vacancies there of affordable housing that was just going to be bulldozed or whatever. We brought those back online. So now 60 families have another affordable place to live that, you know, had we not done that would have been, you know, who knows what would have happened to it. No, I agree. I mean, trust me with in the short sale business, we're always the, one of the challenges is like when we, we get a client, they can't afford their property. They're in foreclosure. Usually, and, you know, they know that whether it's an auction or short sale, D-Day is coming, Armageddon Day is coming. And it's like, where do I go? You know? Right. And I, so trust me, I, I've no, I've seen that happening for the last 10 years. It's just stuff is going up and up and up. So right. you know, and lots of times they end, up, they, they end up going to mobile homes. Yeah. Can afford. So yeah, 100%. Right. So what is the plan? You know, are you looking to stay in Florida? Are you going to be, going to be expanding to uh, other states? I mean, what's 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 Derek's uh, master plan of uh, you know world conquest? What are, what are you what are you thinking? Well, so we actually um, at the beginning of this year we actually merged with the guy I told you that owned parks in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, he actually got out of the business, and mm-hmm. we merged with his company. We bought him out. Okay, so we're in North Carolina. We got a park in South Carolina and Tennessee now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, our my other operating partner um, handles those. So those are I'm more passive in those, and right. so we have stuff in other states. Mm-hmm. Probably going to look to expand to other states. The market's a little weird right now because you yep. know mom and pop still think their properties are yep. you know worth what they were in January. Right. You and I both know that's not the case. Yep. And so there, there's been a, a little bit of a slow slowing of the of the market here as far yep. as acquisitions go. But right. I think um, the overall goal is to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we will not buy thirty and fifty lot parks anymore. Maybe we will, but I think it's going to be more of looking to acquire other companies mm-hmm. like ourselves to expand because we've got about two thousand lots. Yep. Now, I think for us to get the growth that we want to have, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to eat someone else, basically. Yep. Well, it's only more efficient, right? Right. Because you know, you've already, you're, you're taking over hopefully a, a, a decently managed company with, with decent or assets and decent conditions. So uh, you're not having to do, right. you're not having to drive out the, you know, the wild pigs, the wild boars and, and, the, and the squatters. Right. And, so yeah, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So, uh, so how long how long has it been now since the day you started on on uh, mobile homes until now? How long has it been? So I start well, you know, really that April May of twenty one or twenty twenty. 
Yeah. Um, is when I started looking and closed the first deal um, yeah. at the end of September, beginning of October of 2020. So you're, you know, next spring, you're going to be three years. I mean, if you fast forward to that time, if you had talked to yourself four years previously, would your four year younger self believe the the progress you've made in a relatively quick period of time? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big thinker, Don. So I, yeah. I think big. And uh-huh. so maybe I, I thought that we would be pretty big, yeah. but like I didn't probably necessarily think it was going to be as fast yeah. as it, as it happened. I think I underestimated how fast it can actually go. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, you know, not to, I, I don't think it would, maybe it would have surprised me um, a little bit, like I said, of how fast it went. Right. But you know, I had the intention to get big and I'm like, I can't, I'm not a halfway kind of guy. Like if I do something, right. I'm going all in and I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I hear you. For yeah. me, it was, you know, almost two years of just struggle. And then when it hit, it hit big and it went hit big quick, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, know, I know what it's like when you hit, when you, when you reach a critical mass and everything's working, you've learned enough. I mean, I mean, I always had the, the sale, the, I mean, the, I always had the work ethic, you know, I mean, I was, right. I mean, I wasn't cold calling. I was door knocking, you know, my first, yeah. my first yeah. year and a half, I was door knocking every single foreclosure in six state in six counties around Orlando. Mm. I didn't do Orlando, Orange County though, for some reason. I was just, I was, uh, I did everything out the periphery. I did. I was okay. in Brevard. Brevard was my best County for a long time. Brevard and Volusia, you know, Osceola was awesome. Lake, uh, and, and, and Seminole, not as much, but those were my big, those were my core counties. For some reason, I, I had a little bit of a block about orange. It doesn't matter. I was just, just, that was just interesting. I was, I was doing that and learning my craft, right? For me, it was the, the, the learning curve was longer on the negotiations with the banks. But hmm. having said that when it hit, it hit big. And I agree with you hundred percent. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating how that works. And so the message for, I think that, I think you would sign off on this as well for people that are looking to get into real estate and are newbies or not even at the newbie stage yet is remember that a, you can't put a timetable on it. And if you quit too soon, then, you know, you're wasting your time, you know, I mean, yeah. you that or. A- absolutely. And I would say this, like, you know, the conversation we do have, they're like, Oh, you know, oh my God, in two years, you've built that up. You know, how did yeah. you get like, you know, lucky to do that well i I, it's 100 not luck you know the last 10 years i was cold calling and getting my teeth kicked in and recruiting and you know making great money but then spending great money and struggling and getting up at 4 30 in the morning and working out writing my goals and like Mm -hmm. and so in learning skills you know leadership sales negotiation that allowed me to seize an opportunity and mm-hmm. so if you're just sitting at home and not doing anything yep. like an opportunity can come your way and you may not have the skills or the know-how to actually jump in and take advantage of that. And I, I think like it was just so much, you know, work that I put into the machine yep. for 10 years that an opportunity mm-hmm. came and it was like, boom, I was able to, to go. And I fully believe that. Well, I like the fact that you had the self-belief and confidence when you made, we were made that offer that you jumped on it, you know, five minutes later. I mean, that's I mean, how many times people agonize over things and don't take action. Yeah, yeah that's and, and I think I, I think I made a TikTok video about that. And, and you know, and I was 
I was sort of like that in the, in the beginning, you know, the way I am now. And I probably still, you know, probably think about things too much, Mm -hmm. but um, totally taking action and not having the confidence to take action um, and not having the right mindset to take action. Like I had, um, I just remember, like I had listened to one of Grant Cardone's books, like, you know, a million times. And when Jason asked me that, I was like, as my business partner, I was like, I have Grant in my head telling me, do it, man. Don't yeah. think about it. Just do it. And right. so, like, you, you have to take action. And, mm-hmm. and I think people struggle with, you know, like, when I wanted to get in mobile home parks, I could have said, oh, my God, I don't know how to negotiate with a bank. Oh, my God, I don't know how to structure a deal. I don't, oh, my God, I don't know how to put the LLC together. Mm-hmm. But I didn't need to worry about that at that point. The first steps that I needed to take was mm-hmm. get on the phone. Mm-hmm. find deals, go drive deals, learn the properties. I could do those today with no money. So right. if you're wanting to start in real estate in whatever right. asset class that it is, the steps you need to take, you can take today. Right. You don't need to know how to talk to, you know, to get the attorney to set up the LLC or the PPM right. or whatever, right? right? You don't need to know that right now. But the things that you can take action on now, you can take action on. And like once I think once that commit, you get that like that commitment, things start to stir up and things start to to happen. But, you know, if you, you know, you're scared to reach out and you don't you, you reach out to 10 properties or something in like, you know, two months, like it's not going to happen as, no. as, as fat like for you. No, not at all. And I know that um, when I think about it, if I look back when I started actually knocking on doors, I had no idea how to negotiate a short sale. Now, one thing I've learned in my 20-year career is that the deal is the most important thing. I mean, getting it under contract, getting getting a relationship with the seller, you can find everything else, but you got to have that first. And I think people, a lot of times, even people I've taught, students I've had with, with short sales and foreclosure or marketing or investing, that was the one of the biggest barriers I've had with them is is getting that false belief crushed that says I have to know everything before I start because you will never know everything, ever. I still have stuff sometimes that comes up that I was like, oh wow, twenty years that's the first time I heard of that. It will always continually come up, but you got to know enough. But the biggest thing is you got to know how to get a client or how to get a you know get someone talking to be able to get a deal done. I mean, get get, a, get something under contract is what I mean. You can always find, you can partner, you can use other people's money, you can leverage almost everything, but that's really on you. You got to find it because you have no leverage otherwise. No one's going to pay attention to you for the most part unless you can bring them something of value, and that's a contract. Yeah, one hundred percent. And like, like that is like perfectly said because if I'm going out and trying to raise money right now without a deal, I'm like uncertain. I don't know, but if I find a good deal. Yes. And I know it's a good deal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come to you and be like, Don, you know, you're an idiot if you don't invest in this deal. Right. Like your necessity level is going to go up. So it's going to be, you're going to like, you're going to call the attorney and be like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Please tell me, like, you're going to figure it out. Right. Like, you've got, you know, you've got 60 or 90 days under contract. Right. That your necessity level will go up. So you will figure it out. And if the deal is good. If the deal is good, you can always find the money. For That's sure. one thing I've learned. And that that completely 
goes against the grain of a lot of people's false beliefs they bring into real estate because they're not into it. They don't understand it. But that's the bottom line. You, yep. you will always find the money if you've got a good deal. Always. Yep. 100%. And I was, I was limiting myself in the beginning of my mobile home park career before I had a, a park. I was looking at deals based on the money that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very much. Right. And so I, I would tell people too that, like, you're never going to own all the deal. Like, right. if you're getting a loan from the bank, the bank owns, you know, a right. portion of the deal. So, like, you're right. never going to own it all. I know people say, oh, I want to own the whole deal. Right. It's not going to happen. Right? right. So, partner, because. Yeah. You can like you can leverage if like mm-hmm. if I hadn't partnered with anybody and, you know, I'd have to I'd probably have, you know, maybe 100 lots or something, maybe more right now. But like if you have a smaller piece of mm-hmm. something larger, right. would, you, would you rather have 100 percent of a million dollars or, you know, two percent of, you know, a billion dollars or right. whatever that would be like. So like. Yeah. So I would just tell you to, you know, before you, you, you think with that, think about getting some, some investors. I mean, you can, you can just scale faster. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. Wow. This has been great, Derek. I appreciate the time to, I'm glad you came on. You know, like I said, this is not necessarily on a lot of people's radar. And I think you, you know, you definitely shown, shown that this is a, a very good niche and, yeah. uh, uh, everybody, I'm going to have Derek's information. If you want to reach out to him, uh, it'll be in the description of the video, the podcast and YouTube channel. So, uh, you know, by all means, uh, reach out to him. If you have any questions, you got a deal, bring it to him and or yeah. you have inklings of a deal. You may have a good contact and you know, someone maybe you need someone to help you get over the, across the finish line. Derek's your guy. So yeah, I, I would love to, I would love to help. So we'll have my contact info and, yep. uh, in there and you know reach out email text whatever love to love to help you all right thanks a lot i appreciate it all right thanks